Today, we're going to start off our No Offense podcast talking about USAC. What? Keshav, the majority of the No Offense ad hoc committee voted to talk about Veggie Grill first. Yeah, so I actually got wind from higher up that they might reorder the podcast after it goes out. So as chair of the No Offense committee, I decided to start off with USAC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to No Offense, the Daily Bruins' official opinion podcast. My name is Keshav Thadimedi. I'm the Daily Bruins' opinion editor, and we have a lively crew with us today. Let's have everybody introduce themselves. Hey there, I'm Abhishek Shetty. I'm one of the assistant opinion editors. Uh, Rupan Bryandar, I'm the news editor. Hi, I'm Liberty Feliciano, and I'm a senior staffer. Yes, so we have the big guns with us today, and it's it's a meaty topic. Um, no, I, there actually is no such thing as an offense ad hoc committee. Maybe there is. Who knows? Let's just leave it out there to be vague. But we're going to be talking about USAC again. Yes, I know, it seems redundant to talk about the same topic for three weeks, but this election has decided to run on for three weeks longer than it needed to. And for starters, let's just ask the question that a lot of people are asking. What's happening with USAC? Or at least what's happening with the election? We, we all know what's happening with USAC. So starting off, there was an election that happened on May 4th, which now feels like it happened years ago, but it was only May 4th. And during that time, there was a complaint of against voter coercion. But then at that time, the election board didn't find any evidence of voter coercion against candidates Bella Martin and Victoria Solkovitz. But then following a complaint to the judicial board, I think week or two later, the Judicial Board ordered the Election Board to reinvestigate that case to see if there was any voter coercion because they hadn't given a sanction for it. And following that, the Election Board reinvestigated that case and found that there was indeed voter coercion that had taken place. And yeah, that's how we're here now. Things didn't go, let's just say, as we had predicted last week, based on what the Judicial Board hearing at least turned out to be. Rupan, do you want to give us a rundown of what happened on Tuesday? So all the election board um, issued a new ruling and said they did find evidence of voter coercion. There was like no word of any sanction on the document. They had a document that was very clear. It said there was voter coercion. Here's why we think there's voter coercion. But there was no line for sanctions. And so we actually asked the election board, you know, what's up with that? Is, what, is there going to be a sanction or not? And the election board said, like, we'll find out at the council meeting. So we went to the council meeting. And at the council meeting, Jack Price, the election board chairman here, and Marie Chin, who were both there at the, um, the council meeting, told the council that they found there was evidence of voter coercion. And they found that the two candidates, Valabard and Victoria Solkowitz, committed voter coercion. But because the count the board could not come to an agreement, they were not able to issue a sanction. So that's what we first thought. And then later, Isabel Bach, who's the election board external relations director, attended a meeting and then sort of interrupted when Jack Price was talking and said that, wait, no, the board's ad hoc investigative committee, a majority of them voted to disqualify Bella Martin. But Jack Price actually overruled the committee and decided to issue no sanction. So that was sort of the big uproar they had on a Tuesday meeting. And I think the, the council sort of really, they sort of changed their view a bit after hearing Isabel Bach's testimony. Uh, I, I can't say this for sure, but 
earlier conversation during the meeting, it looked like the council was going to certify the results. But after Isabel Bach's sort of uh, interruption there, they really like many council members were pretty, I think, I guess, what they had heard. They decided to table certification of the election results. So this all sort of happened because of you know that whole thing with Isabel Bach and Jack Price. Later, after the council meeting, the uh, election board, I remember Jack Price, Mayor, and um, Isabel Bach sat down with Daily Bruin to sort of give us a round on what happened. And what they told us is that the ad hoc investigative committee, they formed this committee after the J-Board order to investigate the Sanction 59, which is the one with Martin and Tolkovitz, and other um, sanction, other sort of reports of voter coercion. And the committee, the several days did some investigating and they found voter coercion. And they decided, the majority of them decided to vote in, in favor of disqualifying Bella Martin. But Jack Price and Mayor, who the vice chair of the election board, uh, they both had reservations about um, the case, about disqualification, for a variety of reasons. And so when Jack Price went to go speak with Chris Capololo, who's the sole advisor for the election board, Chris Capololo indicated to Jack that higher-ups in the administration felt a judicial board order to election board telling them to issue a uh, sanction for attempted voter coercion in the Martin Solkovitz case was not a valid order. And Jack Price, after hearing that, decided to sort of use his authority, overrule the ad hoc investigative committee's decision, and say that there was going to be no sanction for Bill Martin. And the reason why he can do that is because the election code states that the election board chair has the final authority on um, on like what's, what sanction to do, what decision to make. So even though there is there are all these committees and officers, the election board, final bucks, you know, goes to Jack. Jack Price's election board chair has the final say. I would like to point out that the meeting with the Daily Bruin and the election board took place in the Daily Bruin office around like 11 p.m. when everybody was tired and everybody was sleepy and everybody was hungry. Except maybe Isabel Buck. I think she was eating veggie grill. Oh, she ate veggie grill before. I know this because she told us. But we'll talk about veggie grill in her next segment. Um, for the time being, though, I'd like to you know dwell a bit on this administrative involvement, we will say. So to reiterate what... Chris Coppolillo told Jack was that higher up administrators were going to, quote, weigh in on the election and more specifically on the judicial board uh, ruling. And indeed, they did. On Tuesday in the council meeting, Deborah Geller, the administrative representative who sits on the council, um, was reading a statement basically saying that the judicial board could not rule on an already investigated case because it would be, quote, double jeopardy of some sort, which then... You know, Daily Bruin spoke to Nick Yu, the chief justice of the judicial board, and he said the judicial board disagreed with this notion of double jeopardy. You keep seeing the administrator on the table, Dr. Deborah Geller, bringing up amendments during council discussion. Like early in the year, she brought up that the council was violating First Amendment with its election code, and now they're violating, I think, the Sixth Amendment with this judicial board order. And it's like, USAC isn't really... A governmental organization. They're like really different. There are some similarities, but it's really not comparable. You can't really apply the constitution directly to USAC bodies. Well, you kind of can. It's a public university, so we still are, you know, that's why we are all have to abide by the CPRA, which is a California law, but we're still applicable to all legal principles and legal things. But double jeopardy says that courts can't rule twice on a person, and election board is not at all like a court like at all. You can't really apply that now. But yeah, basically what Deborah Geller said was that the judicial board was effectively doing a double jeopardy kind of thing. And the judicial board, you know, Nick, Nick Yu, Chief Justice, said that judicial board actually disagreed because 
In its initial investigation, the lecture board had found, quote, infringement of voter privacy. But in its second investigation, it found voter coercion, which are two separate, albeit nuanced and somewhat similar, but yet separate violations, uh, since the election code specifically says something about voter coercion and doesn't necessarily say something specific about infringement of voter privacy. And even the judicial order, it was their order was specific to issue a sanction for attempted voter coercion because during the judicial board hearing last week, election board officials, um, they admitted to not properly investigating that sanction. And they uh, there was some testimony at the hearing. One of the witnesses who filed that sanction case um, indicated there was attempted voter coercion. And election board Official, um, the investigations director, I believe his name is Matthew Dunham, others said they made a mistake by not issuing a sanction for attempted voter coercion. So it was very specific to attempted voter coercion. But, but one of the weird things in the election code, there actually isn't, and they mentioned this at the meeting, there isn't a provision for attempted voter coercion. There's only voter coercion. And so it becomes this weird debate. Is attempted voter coercion just voter coercion? Like, is it, should there be a, a distinguish between um, the two? And that's where sort of the sort of complicated situation comes. Unfortunately, unlike UCLA Radio, we don't have e-board members in the room with us tonight. Um, but something that I wanted to bring up was that, like, yeah, um, Jack Price talked about this on UCLA Radio last night. Um, there was a huge disagreement about whether vote, attempted voter coercion constituted voter coercion and whether disqualifying someone for attempted voter coercion would be disenfranchising the huge number of people who did vote for Bella Martin. Um, because as we talked two weeks ago when we did the first podcast about the election, Bella Martin would probably have won anyway, even if she hadn't coerced votes. It, she probably just would have. Like, she had a huge majority. So would disqualifying her disenfranchise that huge majority? I don't know if you guys have opinions. It doesn't matter if she would have won or not. She tried to do something illegal. Yeah, like, I would like to draw a very extreme example. Not example, extreme analogy. But if a candidate who, let's say, you know, I'm I'm a USAC candidate, which, why would I ever do that to myself? But let's assume that just for this case. And I'm, you know, winning by, like, I have great fan following, but then I bludgeon somebody over the head. Like, no, like, I shouldn't be elected into a position. I just want to point out that Abhishek just used the word illegal, but we also just talked about how USEC isn't the same as real government. Like, voters, voting rights still matter, of course, but it isn't held to the same burden of voter laws in, like, real elections. No offense, but is USAC a real election at this point? <laughs> Considering this has been going on for three weeks, no, it's not a real election. Yeah, if it was a real election, it should be going on for one and a half years. Yeah, none of us got the bandwidth for that, and none of us have the, the money for that. But, you know, I guess just just to set the stage right now, where we are is the current USAC council, so the 2016 2017, 2018, wow, I don't even know my years anymore. 2017, 2018 council has decided to delay voting on certifying the candidate elections for the 2018, 2019 council table. This means that as of now, we have no council for the next year. Um, and, you know, they tabled this because they didn't know what voting against certifying, which effectively means they do not certify the council table, what that would mean. Because... Nobody knew. Deborah Geller, the administrative representative, didn't know what it meant. Um, none of the other administrators spoke up, except Roy Champawat, who was like, what does this mean if we vote this way? And council didn't vote that way. 
And the rest of the council members are like, what does it mean? And nobody knew. Everybody was just like, shoulder shrug. And they said, you know, they're going to spend the week doing research and come back the next week and take a vote. So that's the stage we are right now. And there are two stories going on here. One is about the administration getting involved in a USAC election. The other is of there possibly not being a council next year. So let's tackle the first question. And I want to ask the meaty question, should the administration get involved in USAC elections? Well, I think we should also point out that everyone in this room right now is a member of the Daily Bruin editorial board. And we did write an editorial saying administration had hugely overstepped by getting as involved as it did in the election board decision to not sanction anyone despite finding voter coercion. But like, obviously, like USAC is supposed to be completely student run. It's also under ASUCLA, which is completely separate from UCLA. And so the fact that like administrator involvement is even an issue is kind of perplexing at first until you realize that USAC in a lot of ways provides a lot of public image for the university. I don't know potential lawsuits um that's something that's been thrown around like whether admin is worried about lawsuits no one outside UCLA ought to or probably will care that Bella Martin is disqualified except maybe people close to Bella Martin I don't know speaking of Bella Martin and lawsuits her mother did in a now deleted Facebook post say she was going to speak to a lawyer this was two Mondays ago so we're recording this podcast on Friday May 18th, so two Mondays ago, that she was going to speak to a lawyer. That Facebook post does not exist anymore, although screenshots of it do. Okay, in the Facebook post, she didn't say she had spoken to a lawyer. I don't know whether it was in the comments or in messages, but during the J-Board case, several people testified to, like, the idea of Bella Martin's mom talking to a lawyer. So I wasn't really sure where that could be attributed to, but it's not in the content of that post. Right, no, she only said she was going to speak to one. She didn't say she had spoken to one. And it wasn't a comment. So she had her original Facebook post, and then in the comment section, she said something along the lines of, we found... The person who made the complaint, she's a, you know, a woman. Well, let, let, let's get back to the topic at hand, which is not Bella Martin's mom, but about the administration. You know, should the administration get involved in USAC? No. Next question. Why is the administration getting involved in USAC? I say administrators are like one of those annoying people. They go around waving the constitution in people's face and saying, hey, do you know about this amendment that you're violating? So I think I've told you guys this person before. I, and what USAC kind of operates like a parliamentary democracy. So we've got the students, they're voting for the council, and the council, you can think of it as parliament. Not really, but kind of. And then, so they're the head of government, they're the government. And then we've got the head of state, which is the administration, who they don't, head of states in the parliamentary democracy don't really get involved that much, but they do get involved in sort of times of chaos or where there's a, a divided government. And so that's kind of situation we have here. USAC, the government, is sort of in chaos. It's not that they haven't been able to form a government. So we have the administration as like a head of state sort of stepping in. And Parliament Democracy head of state will actually appoint a government if there is no government in Parliament. You realize that is a largely ceremonial role, right? The role of a president in countries which have a prime minister. Yes, I do agree. Jean Block is a very ceremonial role in this university. Thank you, Geishev. I think what Rupon means is that like when USAC tries to make change, a lot of times it does have to work with UCLA's administration to actually get action to happen. Usually they can only really dedicate funds. They don't really like, you know, own any of the space on campus. They can't designate it for like dance studios or like any of the new amenities that USAC is like help facilitate for the future. 
Um, but like, I also want to like just go back to the idea of publicity. And um, I know we said we wouldn't talk about Bella Martin's mom anymore, but like, you know, she said some very um, of- offensive things. She alleged that UCLA students were being very offensive by accusing her daughter of voter coercion. She told the Daily Bruin that it was slut-shaming her daughter. Um, she said that people were against Bruins United because they were anti-Semitic. Like, these things... Oh, and also her mom is a journalist. Just put the, putting that out there. Like, these things can seem pretty fraught to a university that has had a past of people telling them that it is anti-Semitic or racist or sexist. Um, like, so I can kind of see the point of view where admin just wants everyone to shut up and sit down and proceed. But that doesn't mean it's right. Hey, you're absolutely right, Liberty. Like, USAC has always had to work with admin. I mean, sure, it shouldn't run, but they can't really do anything on their own. They have to work with administrators to get things done. Deborah Geller, who's, who's been on the council for quite a while now, she's always sort of been... The, the person answering questions every constant member whether or not they agree with her or not do, does look to her when they don't know what's going on they don't know the answer to a question so admins always played a big role have they played to this large of a role in an election i don't know i know in previous years um the daily Bruin meets with uh, chancellor blog we do ask him sometimes about esac elections and he's always tended to avoid answering those questions saying that you know we don't want to get involved in esac elections so i'm not so sure that they want to get involved in these elections but I think they will get involved if they feel they need to. I think it's also important to, like, um, distinguish between different kinds of administrators because, like, yeah, Gene Block is very much, like, you know, connecting with the outside world when it pertains to UCLA. Like, other administrators have a more direct role with working with USAC, like um, the vice chancellor of student affairs, Monroe Gordon, is someone who's, like, you know— Student affairs is over Seoul, so like, you know, technically is over the people who advise all these different boards and the council. Yes, they're advisors and they should stick to advising. I guess on that note, since we're talking about advising, one of the things that advisors haven't been able to do is say what would happen if there is no council next year. And I want to move to that topic because we've sort of talked about, you know, administration getting involved, this peculiar year where they've been basically saying, you know, we're going to weigh in on this election because we think rules are being violated. Actually, one of the interesting things that Jack Price told UCLA Radio in a Thursday show on with them was that Chris Coppololo, his sole advisor, and also Daily Bruin's sole advisor, but we will look past that point, Chris Coppololo told him that you know the administration is you know increasingly more being staffed by lawyers, and these people are very interested in the law. And we kind of see that with Deborah Geller. We kind of see that with the other administrators. And what they were saying was... Let's not investigate this election anymore. It's done. It's done. Let's move on. And the council doesn't seem intent on moving on. Um, so I was at Tuesday's meeting and a lot of the students on the council were like, you know, you know, Malik, for example, the cultural affairs commissioner was like, yeah, I'm not going to certify the election. I'm going to vote to say no. Nicole Coronadia, general representative one, said she wasn't going to vote to certify the election. Um, election results. Zara Haji said that. Chloe Pan implied that. Netta Saidiana implied that too. Adriana Hardwick said, you know, she had experienced things like voter coercion when she was a freshman and she was concerned with what election board was doing. There were several council members who were just not liking this idea that the election board wasn't going to take a stance um, or hadn't issued, issued a sanction. Um, Ariel Mokhtarzadeh, 
uh, a Bruins United slate member, I guess one of the higher ups there, was adamant that the council should certify because otherwise what precedent would they be setting? Um, and she was sort of arguing with other, some other council members. And just in light of all this, I'm going to ask the question, are we going to have a council next year? I mean, something has to happen. It's not like USAC is going to dissolve itself. I, I want to say there will be a council next year once we figure out something. So what happens? Let's say May 22nd rolls around and, you know, USAC votes by majority vote to not certify the 2018-2019 council table, basically saying they do not certify the election results. What happens then? I guess they have to... Hold the new election, I think. Maybe like apply for like funding from a source because I don't think they have the funding to even hold another election. Well, they do have surplus funding, right? Wouldn't that that could work? But I'm not sure that's budgeted for them to take right now. That's true. That's a more complicated process. So we honestly have no idea what's going to happen. But we can speculate because, you know, it doesn't cost anything to speculate. You could, there's two options, I think, is one is to do one before the summer. They do a special election. They sort of, Either the one they do it with the current candidates uh, who have run this year's election, just had them go again. or Because uh, I think uh, if they were to bring in new candidates, that would be a month-long process. You have to do an orientation and a whole other bunch of things. That wouldn't be feasible. But they could do it with the current candidates that's doing their election. Or they could wait until fall and do a special election. There is president for that back in 2014. A gen rep who won in June of 2014 resigned personal reasons and so they had to do a special election in fall 2014 to fill his seat in so that is a precedent for that it's not really the same situation but it's similar they could do a fall special election and in that case one weird issue is over the summer what's going to happen to the council now the council does doesn't do much over the summer but one thing they do actually do is they allocate funding to certain groups council has to approve that funding what they did last year is they often didn't meet quorum last year during meetings and they can't approve funding but until they meet quorum so what they did was they empowered the finance committee in the council to just allocate the funding and approve it so they could do some, something they could do something along those lines um, this summer but we'll really have to see what happens one of the things that Abhishek was talking about he actually wrote a piece about this was in 1988 there was some crazy election stuff going on which we'll not jump into because we don't have much time so what happened was the election board chair quit and the rest of the election board also quit alongside him because they were angry at council and that basically gave council the power of the election board and they were able to disqualify a candidate on their own so they could basically go candidate by candidate and to an effect certify line by line Actually, they would be disqualifying one or more people and then certifying the rest of the things together. Basically the same thing, just out of order. Yeah. And in 1995, Judicial Board decided to nullify the election of two candidates and rehold those elections again. So this election could be going on until May of next year, for all we know. What we do know, though, is that after Tuesday, May 22nd's council meeting, we'll know whether A.J. Goldsman, presidential candidate, was the biggest winner of this election or not. Hashtag disband USAC. We'll be back after a short break. It's not real chicken? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's veggie girl. What'd you expect? It says chicken. Actually, it says chicken. 
<laughs> apostrophe. That is also how Chick-fil-A spells chicken. I thought it was chicken. <laughs> okay, folks. Yeah, so we're talking about the latest, greatest, best development in the Associated Students UCLA since Blaze Pizza. It's Veggie Grill. And for the record, I haven't eaten that yet, but I've heard it's grilled up. Yeah, a lot of people in the daily room office really like it, and so I haven't eaten it, so I don't know. Should I trust daily room staff's opinions? I mean, we ate at Panda for like a good 15 years, and now we found Veggie Grill and Blaze Pizza. The answer is no. Boycott Veggie Grill because it replaced Sparrow, and I miss it. Plus, what is up with the renovation? It looks super expensive. Why did they need that many changes? Right, so Veggie Grill opened earlier this week, I believe. Um, so we're recording this podcast again on May 18th. And Veggie Grill opened up, and it's been an instant hit. You know, there's loud music playing, there are menus there, people are happy, people are smiling. You can apparently order on a, on your phone, too. So, like, you can walk in, just pick up your stuff and leave. Like, And, you know, the Daily Brain office has been bustling with Veggie Grill. People are eating sandwiches, they're eating the mac and cheese, which people said mac and cheese sucks at Veggie Grill. Like, a zero out of ten sucks. So I guess word to the wise, don't eat, don't eat their mac and cheese. But like people are eating vegetable everywhere. The mac and cheese is not that bad. I had it. It's just a small serving, but the taste is good. Sounds like that line from the movie Annie Hall. Such small servings, and it's so awful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, Veggie Grill has been captivating, you know, ACCLA and Kirkhoff Space. And let's just talk about it. Like, is it, is Veggie Grill worth it? Like, we've been waiting for it for years, and it's here. Like, are our troubles over now? I just don't get the concept of Veggie Grill. Like, why won't you just eat a salad if you want vegetables? Hey, as a, as a vegetarian, I need something beyond shoots and leaves. Like, Cooked shoots and leaves would be nice. Cooked shoots and leaves with favor would be nice. And cooked shoots and leaves that I can carry in, a, carry in my hand and eat while going to class would be nice. And Vegagirl does that. That's what the tomatoes and olives are in the salad bar are for, okay? Screw you, man. So I had it. it, it I had it, one of their the famous chicken salad thing. Chick-in? Chick-in salad. Not chicken sandwich, not salad. Chick-in sandwich. It was all right. I, I'm not so sure it's worth the price. But it was like, it was a chicken sandwich, and it tasted like a chicken sandwich, but, like, so, I don't get the hype, really. Did it taste like a chicken sandwich, or did it taste like a chicken sandwich? It tasted, I think the first one, I don't know, I'm not so sure it's the second one. (laughs) Wait, wait, if it's not chicken, what is it? Is it Soylent Green? (laughs) Yeah, but what is it? Is it tofu? I don't know, actually. Oh my god! (laughs) Right, so I, I went to I went to Veggie Grill on Wednesday. Or was it Tuesday? And I was like, "Hmm, I'm gonna." Yeah, it was Tuesday. I was like, oh, "I'm gonna eat a Veggie Grill." And then I looked at the menu, and I was just overwhelmed. There was so much choice. There were like weird French words or accents here and there, and I was like, "I'm just gonna go to Rubio's and order a burrito especial and get a vegetarian one." And that's it. And I don't know, like, is 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 Veggie Grill overrated? Like, is are the prices too like? Are the, does does the taste justify the price? Like I saw, I saw double digits, and I was like, "Nah, not in my wallet." Does anyone here know the price points of Veggie Grill? So I think it is a little bit more on the expensive side, since it is vegetables. And I think this is what it says on the website: made from non-GMO soybeans, wheat. Okay, wait. I don't know if I'm reading the right one. Never mind. Oh my god. <laughs> So we have yet to find out what this chick-in crap is. Chick-in stuff is, sorry. Um, my guess is some sort of meat supplement, maybe tofu-based, um, that they've cooked and whipped around so that it looks and feels like chicken. In your mouth, feels like chicken. 
So yeah, it is indeed. I was right. Made from non-GMO soybeans, wheat, peas, and ancient grains. And ancient from- grains. How old are these grains? I'm a bit concerned now. Then specially seasoned and marinated. Chicken is packed with nutrients and fiber. So they're basically telling me it's ancient grains. It's actually soy and old grains. <laughs> ancient grains. I can't get over that. Can someone Google what that means? <laughs> are they aged? Do they get better with time like wine? Or is it just like an OG strain of wheat? <laughs> well, well, I'll be shaking. Google's whatever ancient grains are. What are your thoughts, Rupan, on ancient grains? I'm not so sure. I think Mesopotamia when I hear ancient grains. That's just the first thing that comes to my mind. So I have no idea. So you're telling me they import their grains from Mesopotamia? Wow, no wonder they have such high prices. Is it a thing? Like a thousand-year-old egg? Oh, wait. (laughs) So I went to the website, I think, of their vendor from where they get the chicken from. So they don't actually make the chicken. They get it from outside. So ancient grains are quinoa. Amaranth, millet, and camel. Camel? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Maybe I should do another Google search. Let, let's just not look at what we're eating our food. I think let's just stick to the salad. At least we know what, what's in a spinach leaf. Or at least we hope we know, like, cytochromes and spinach leaves. So, kamut is a type of wheat. From, it's an ancient grain type. So, ancient grain is actually kind of type, category. is isn't something VeggieGo came up with. Oh, here I thought VeggieGo was trying to justify their price point. Why do I feel like I know more about the like process and production of like the Impossible Burger more than I know about this chicken stuff? Okay, so ancient grains are actually a types of grains that haven't like evolved over time, like over thousands of years. So basically, they've stayed the same. Their genome has stayed the same. I was right. It's a, a OG strain of wheat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So so Veggie Girl is. Hot stuff, I guess. You know, it's it's high quality ancient grain stuff. It's got chicken and it's, I guess, subpar mac and cheese. But let's let's look over, look look past that because they've got, you know, expensive sandwiches and stuff. So, final question: Should we all eat at Reggie Grill? Panda for life. I mean, it's, I mean, there's just so much hype. You can't not at least get one sandwich or burger. No, I miss Sparrow, and I am protesting. Yeah, I, I might probably get Vegigo when, when I'm desperate and tired and hungry and don't want to eat at Rubio's. Isn't that all the time? Let's not bring up that point. Okay, folks, we're going to catch you all next week in our next No Offense podcast. And knock on wood that USAC is done deal by then. And it probably won't.